The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Well, welcome to OPCC this morning. Uh, it's good to see all of you. Good to have those of you who are joining uh, on Facebook Live. I saw uh, Jeffrey and Rachel are, are part this morning, all the way from England, so that's pretty cool. We're about ready for you guys to come home. Uh, and... Uh, uh, so it's, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today, man. And I, I don't know, like, I want you to think about this, this question. <laughs> and you've been asked it before. When somebody comes up to you and says, would you do me a favor? Now, on the inside, when somebody asks you that question, like, there are a couple of things you're like, if, it, if a person has... If a person has really, you felt like they're really trying, they've really helped you out a lot... And they ask, would you do me a favor? You're kind of like, yeah, man, I'll do anything you need. But if a person is always asking and never giving, and they ask you, like, ah, here we go again. You're going to get me down some kind of rabbit hole. And you feel that way, right? Like sometimes some people you just feel like, I would just immediately, I'd do anything in the world for you. And other people you're a little bit more reserved because you feel like they're taking advantage of you. That's just the honest truth. You see that with your kids. Sometimes your kids, they'd ask you, uh, Dad, I'd like to do something. Can I go and do such and such? Can I, can I have an extra $20 or whatever? Well, it depends. Like, man, if I'm watching you and I'm seeing you do a lot of stuff around the house and if you're, you've got your grades where they need to be and I see a lot of effort, I'm like, yeah, man, let me help you out there. And if not, I'm like, who do you think you are? Right? And so so there's, there's a different response there. And so that's, that's, a, that's what favor is like. Now, in the Bible, we see favor from the very beginning. Like we get to Genesis all the way to Revelation. We talk, there's this idea that the Lord is teaching us about favor. Uh, one of the most um, famous stories in the Bible, in the very beginning, um, with Cain and Abel, that we see Abel had the favor of the Lord and Cain did not have the favor of the Lord. And so the sacrifice that one made was blessed and the one that the other made was not. And so one guy had favor and the other did not. We see when we get to the story of Noah, it says that the, the scripture says that the Lord, he had favor with God. And so he was used in a mighty way. And you could go through David and Solomon and, and all the way through. And then when we get to the Messiah, we get to Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So he, 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 he grew in his wisdom and his stature and in his favor with God and his favor with man. Now, if Jesus is the model and, and we're to, we're, we're to you know, pattern our lives after the life he lived, then there's something for us in that verse that's very powerful. I remember as a young man when I was learning about my faith, when faith became real for me, uh, it was no longer going to be my mother's faith, but it was going to be my faith, and I was owning it, and I was starting to come to the Scriptures and feast on the Word. That verse right there changed my life. I read it. Uh, uh, there's another passage about Solomon that he prayed for wisdom, and the, the Lord gave him wisdom and gave him favor, and, and David increased in wisdom and favor. And I read those things, and I thought, man, this, this is very important, is that I can, I can have the favor of God in my life. And not only does the Scripture say that I will have favor with God, I'll have favor with man. 
And so other people I come in contact with, I can have favor with them. And so as we look at Acts chapter 28, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 28. We're going to land this um, plane on this series we've been in uh, for about a year now. It's taken us a year to go through the book of Acts. And the Lord has done some pretty incredible things in our church in the midst of that. As we see, we're about to be able to, um, you know, do something to the outside of the building that makes, makes the outside relevant and tells the story of the inside. And appreciate um, Jen and Mike uh, for sharing their story. Jen, she doesn't like to talk on video, and I, I had to really twist her arm just to get her to sit there. She was there for moral support, man. And Mike did a lot better job because of her being there. So I thank, I thank both of them for, for doing that. But uh, as we look into the Word, man, and we see what the Lord is teaching us, what we're going to see is that, again, we have the, and we got a lot of Scripture, man, all right? But you ain't got anything else to do. Everything is closed, okay? So we, we could go a little longer if we need to today. I, I don't, I'll try to, to get us out as, as quickly as possible. But, but I think this is extremely important. So we're going to look in Acts chapter 28, and we're going to see where Paul has the favor of the Lord. And then I'm going to take you through some scripture, a lot of scripture. But it's powerful scripture, and it's stuff the Lord has, has recently shown me and opened my eyes to. And it's been, it's been a pretty cool experience, and so I want to share it with you. But when we start in verse 1, and we start unpacking it, you know, remember they had a shipwreck. They're on their way to Rome. And Paul told them not to sail. They did, and they had a shipwreck. And so we left where they were, they were at sea, man. They just, the ship was torn by the waves, and they had to jump in the water. And so we just quit right there. Well, they made it. It says, once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. Now, in original language, it was called Melita, and it means refuge. All right? It's pretty cool. The Lord took them off course, and they end up on this island after the shipwreck, and they're at a place of refuge. And it says the islanders showed us unusual kindness. Like they came out when they saw him and gave them unusual kindness. And they built a fire and they welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. I mean, they're just coming out of this, the sea and it's cold outside and it's raining. And these islanders see them coming off and there's, there's 276 of these people. They get off this ship. And so they build a big fire and, <clears throat> and they're gathering around the fire. And it says Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. So there's Paul, he's got a snake hanging off of his hand, man. And all the islanders that had built this fire and, and showed them this unusual kindness, it says, when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, the man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook it off. He shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects, okay? So he shakes the snake off. He's like, dang. The snake falls off into the fire, and all the islanders are looking at him, and they, they're thinking something else. And after he shakes it off, it says, the people expected him to swell up suddenly and fall dead. <laughs> That's an interesting. You know, there's a, his snake, but they're all just kind of looking at him. <laughs> I know, bro. He's about to swell. Like, they're waiting on it to happen. And they, they thought that justice was finding him out, but, but it didn't happen. But after waiting a long time, seeing that nothing unusual happened to him, they changed their minds and said, he's a god. Man, if that is not a picture of American culture right there, nothing is. <laughs> At one minute, like, he's a murderer. The next minute, he's a god. Like, people are just all over the place. 
And it says there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius. All right? Publius. He was, he, was, <laughs> he was the chief official of the island. So Rome had put him in charge, and he was the chief official. And so he had an estate. And it says he welcomed us to his home. Right? And it says, for three days he entertained us hospitably. So here's the guy, the, the chief guy who had a big spread on this island. He, he, he sees them all, and he brings, he brings them all into his estate for three days. Now, they end up staying on the island for three months. And so for this three days, it's kind of like they're figuring out where are we going to put all these people, and they got to get housing for all of them. But, but he entertained them for three days. But his father was sick in bed. He was suffering from fever and dysentery. And so there was this, which is kind of ironic, man, what's going on in the world today, is that the Lord took them right into the midst of, a, of this situation where this guy is suffering from fever with dysentery. And the, there were many people on the island that were experiencing this. And it was, uh, uh, it was called Malta fever. And what it was, it was this microbe that was being spread through goat's milk. And they didn't know it. And there was no vaccine for it. And if you got sick, you'd be sick for like four months. And many people died. And it wasn't until like uh, the early 1800s that they finally uh, got a vaccine that could help people in this. But, but this is what this guy is suffering from. And so it says when he had, uh, it, so Paul went in to see him. And after prayer, he placed his hands on him and healed him. And when his, this happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. And they honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. <laughs> so like Paul is used, so he's taken right into this place of sickness and he's used to heal all these people. And so then they finally, the three months passes and we're, we're, we're trying to get Paul to Rome, okay? And so it says, after three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. And we put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. And from there we set sail and arrived at Regium. And the next day the south wind came up, and on the following day we reached Petoli. And there we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them. They didn't know these guys. They just found some spiritual family, and that, fa that spiritual family invited them to stay for a week. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Apius and the Three Taverns to meet us. And at the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged, man. He saw them, and he thanked the Lord for them. And when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him, okay? So he's, got a, he's, he's able to live by himself, but a soldier is there responsible for guarding him. So he's there. He's been trying to make this journey for quite some time. He finally gets there. And it says, three days later, he called together the leaders of the Jews. And when they had assembled, Paul said to them, my brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our people uh, or against our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. And they examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had any charge to bring against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. Um, it is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. 
And he says, man, I, I didn't want to have to appeal to Caesar, but they, they were, the, Caesar was, they, or, or the, the, the Romans were going to let me go, but, but the Jews didn't, wasn't going to have it, so I had to appeal to Caesar. And so here I'm here, I want to explain to you what's going on. I said, this is how the Lord works, man. Says, they replied, we've not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of the brothers who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. Like the Lord had already taken care of it. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. So they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day. Now watch this. This is so cool. And they came in larger numbers to the place where he was staying. And from morning till evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and the prophets. And some were convinced uh, by what he said, but others would not believe, and they disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said, through Isaiah the prophet. Now, this is very important when we get to this favor thing, okay? He's, he's going to tell us uh, uh, why, why some people get movement and belief and others don't. He says, he refers back to the prophet Isaiah, and he says, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might, with their eyes, hear with their ears. Um, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. And so their unbelief had made it even more, like it made it impossible for them to believe. They became hard in their hearts. They were calloused. They weren't receptive to what the Lord was trying to say to them. And the same thing still happens today. He says, therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. And then, and then it closes out Acts like this. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was under house arrest, but they gave him a, a home, and people would come, and they would, it was like a university, man. They would come to Paul, and he, for two years, he would just teach them about the kingdom of God, and the gospel was spread throughout the world because of the way the Lord used him in that place. And so when we get back to this thing and we go, okay, what is the favor of the Lord? Like what, like what do we mean when we say, man, you're walking in the favor of the Lord? Here's what I see in this passage, and I, I, I sort of I have experienced in my life, and I've, I've seen it in a lot of people's lives. What is the favor of the Lord? What does it look like? First of all, the Lord's favor surrounds us with kindness, Okay. The word that is used here in the very first verse when it says they showed us unusual kindness is the word uh, philanthropia, and it means love of mankind. And so these people, man, whenever they hit the beach, Paul hits the beach, these islanders come out, and they have an unusual love for him. And so the scriptures say, man, it's, it wasn't normal what happened. Now, I want to tell you that as I've walked in obedience to the Lord, and I've walked in the favor of the Lord, that has happened to me over and over and over again. Not just by people inside the, the kingdom, people outside of the kingdom. 
I, I may have told this story before. You may have heard it. But when, before Abby and I was married, I went to a, a, a jeweler. I went to this small jeweler and, and, and wanted to talk, you know, find her a ring. And uh, I started talking to this guy that owned this place. And as I was talking to him, um, in the like I never met the guy. I went in there to buy a ring. And as I'm talking to him, and, and, and he's showing me different diamonds and stuff, and I'm trying to pick stuff out, he, he, he begins to ask questions about me. Where do you live? What is it? And he says, man, I, I, really, I really like your spirit. And he starts talking to me about opening a jewelry shop where I lived out in eastern Oklahoma County. I thought, dude, you don't even know me. And I was like, I'm in the ministry. That's not what my life was about. It was unusual kindness that he sensed. What he sensed was... The Lord in my life who created him, and he felt a connection to that because I was walking in the favor of the Lord. Now, things like that have happened over and over and over again in my life. And so we see that uh, the Lord's favor surrounds us with kindness. The, the Lord's favor meets our needs. In verse 7, verse 10, and verse 14, we see that, first of all, Publius' estate, um, they were able to stay in it. Now, you know what's fascinating? is there's a church on Malta today, and tradition has it, that it was started at this time, and Publius was its first pastor. And so the Lord used Paul, even as he stayed in that guy's estate, that a church was founded there. Um, we see that um, uh, the supplies for the journey, when they, they go to leave, and they're going to set sail and leave the island, they honored them, it says, and they gave them supplies for their journey, everything that they needed. And then um, we see that... Uh, they, they spent a week with the brothers when they got to Rome. They didn't know where they were going to stay. At, at right before entering Rome, they, they found these Christian brothers and sisters, and they put them up, and they were able to stay a week for them. And so we see the Lord's favor meets our needs along the way. And as we're following the Lord, he will consistently meet our, all our needs. Now, he won't, um, he won't give us exactly sometimes what we want, but he will always meet our needs when we trust him. Here's another thing the Lord's favor looks like. It brings encouragement. Verse 15 says that when the spiritual family heard about them, like they didn't, in this instance, they didn't go look for the spiritual family. The spiritual family came and found them. It brought incredible encouragement to Paul. Paul, it says that Paul was greatly encouraged when he saw that there were already brothers and sisters in the area. And then we see that the Lord's favor delivers and protects, okay, now, this has happened all the way throughout Paul's journey. There have been some bad experiences. They've tried to kill him. As a matter of fact, they left him for dead when they stoned him outside the, uh, the city. One time they thought he was dead. And, and we know that that's probably the experience he writes about in Corinthians. But the Lord protected him from dying. And in this uh, last couple of chapters, we see the Lord uh, protects him from the storm, protects him from the shipwreck, and protects him from the snake bite. Now, here's what you have to understand about the Lord's protection. Let's go ahead and man. Well, well, I don't understand that because sometimes everything's not perfect in my life. Nowhere was the protection pleasant. It's not pleasant to get bit by a snake, but he was protected from it. It's not pleasant to get pelted by stones, but he was protected from dying in that moment. And so sovereignly, the Lord was protecting him as he was using him. And then we see the Lord's favor blesses our influence. So when we're walking in the favor of the Lord, we will have greater influence with people around us. This is that verse again that Jesus, he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God 
and man. He had influence with people around him, and so we will have greater influence. We look and we see that Paul had influence with the natives. They came out, and, and he immediately had a great level of influence with them. He had uh, influence with um, a, a Publius. I'm not saying that again today. <laughs> he, he had uh, influence with Julius, the, the centurion who was responsible for him. As a matter of fact, centur- that, that Julius, the Roman guy who guard that was responsible for him, started seeking counsel from him and gave him some freedom. Uh, he had influence with his spiritual family. He had influence with the Jews who were not believers in Christ. He had influence with the guard who was responsible for him even when he was living in the house for two years. At any time, that guard could have said, man, I'm tired of hearing about all this Jesus stuff, Right? But he didn't because Paul had influence. Why? Because he was walking in the favor of the Lord. And then finally, um, when we say, what does, in, what does favor look like? Uh, the Lord's favor fulfills our desires. Okay? So there are desires that we have uh, that are godly desires. And, and the scripture says that the Lord will fulfill those desires. Paul longed to preach at Rome, and here he was. The Lord saw to it that he got him there. He's still a, a prisoner, but given a home that people flocked to, okay? And there were probably, sometimes he was probably going, man, why don't the Lord just cut me loose and let me get out of here in in this city and start planting churches? But what we know is that while Paul was under house arrest, he wrote the excellent epistles of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And so all of that stuff that when we read that, man, and it brings incredible encouragement to us, Paul wrote it while he was under house arrest. So the Lord was bringing people to him and affording him the opportunity to get some work done and write some incredible truth that we still have and use even to this day that is anointed of the Lord. And so the, the favor of the Lord, what we see in this, it keeps the kingdom moving. That's what it's designed to do. So the Lord wants us to be able to walk in his favor. Why? Because he wants his kingdom to move. He's told us the great commission, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have told you. That's our job. That's not the job of the church. That's not the job of the pastor. That's the job of a person who calls himself a Christ follower. Our job is to go therefore and make disciples. We're to teach people about this stuff. Okay. And so when, when he says that he wants us to do that, he, he enables us to do it by giving us favor in order to accomplish it. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, I'm giving it to you to go and make disciples. That's what the whole the gospel is all about, is for us to be about the business of making disciples that make other disciples, and, and the world has changed because of that. As a matter of fact, it, it's about exponential growth. If, if you want to learn anything from this coronavirus, you need to learn that that's the way the kingdom ought to be advancing. It ought to be moving at the speed this disease is moving across the world. The kingdom ought to be just spreading like that. And the only way that it can is not when the preachers and the professional uh, career people who are in ministry are making the disciples, but when everybody who is a disciple touches somebody else, that person is infected with the gospel. That's the way it's supposed to work. And so Jesus is calling us to that, and he gives us the favor to keep it moving. Now, here's the question. Why do some believers walk in favor and some do not? Why is it that we can look at some people and go, well, man... 
The favor of the Lord is on that person. So we might say, well, the favor of the Lord is on you, Pastor Jimmy, because the Lord wants to use you for a special purpose in ministry. So he gives you favor. And I can't expect that kind of favor myself because I'm not in ministry. I work in, you know, um, finance or whatever. (laughs) So I'm not going to have that same kind of favor. You get a different amount of favor. That is unbiblical, okay? Here's what we know about the scripture. Romans chapter 2, verse 11 says, For God does not show favoritism. He gives favor, but he doesn't have favorites. He, he's wanting to pour out his favor upon people, but there are conditions. Since there is no favoritism, something else allows us to walk in favor. It's very simple. The Lord showed me this this week. i never seen it before. I was reading through the Minor Prophets, going through Zechariah. Man, the Lord hit me right upside the head with it. This is what it says. And it's talking about the people needing to repent and come back to him. In Zechariah chapter 7, verse 13, when I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen. When God called, the people would not listen, so when the people called, God would not listen. So like when we're walking in in favor in the Lord, what does that mean? It means that we are listening to the call of God. That's what allows us to walk in the favor of the Lord. See, Cain wasn't listening to God. Abel was. Noah was listening to God. David's heart was after God. He listened to God. Solomon listened to God. And that's why this is described to them as walking in the favor of the Lord. Now, so when you go, all right, what is the call of God on my life? Jimmy, there's the call of God on your life to be a a minister. No. No. Well, yes and no. The call of God on my life is to be a minister of the gospel, but that call came before I ever accepted the call to pastor a church. As a matter of fact, I was a minister of the gospel and never thought I would be a pastor. I thought pastors were weird and uncool. Come on now. (laughs) Okay, well, worship pastors are dorks. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we love each other around here. You could tell. Uh, so, so anyway, like I didn't know that. And so the, the point is, is that, is that we're walking in the favor of the Lord and he gives us the power to be ministers of the gospel because ministers of the gospel are who make disciples. Not professional people in ministry. Now, the Lord does set up and he did call me in to full-time ministry to do what? To equip you to be a minister of the gospel. That's why he puts me in full-time ministry. It's not to go out and be, oh, those are the ones who make the disciples. No, we are the ones who train the disciples how to make disciples. Okay? We, we keep the body encouraged. We keep them focused. We, we proclaim the truth. But we're all ministers of the gospel. And so the calling of God on, on, on our lives is not so much about what we're doing in, 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 the, in, in a career or, or have you. It's about who we are. So we need to turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Okay, we're going to look at a few verses, and, and me and my D group a couple of weeks ago, man, we, I had them eat the word together, and we were eating the word, and as I was eating it with them, and what that means is we use some tools, and we go, okay, how do we take this scripture and, and really digest it and say, what does this mean? Like, what is the Lord trying to say to me? And the Lord said something to me out of this passage of scripture that was really encouraging, and I want to share it with you today, because I think it's, it's key for you to walk in the favor of the Lord, okay? And so it says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. 
There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is, as, is that as long as an heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So, so also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Okay. Now, I can't exegete the whole thing, but I'm going to give you three words that the Lord just made when I was eating. And just, they just hit me hard. And draw your attention to the word heir, redeem, and sent, okay? And so if you're taking notes, you might just underline those three words. Heir, the word heir, the word redeem, and the word sent. Let me give you the Greek because um, the, the, the English cannot, it cannot convey everything that the Greek is trying to communicate to us as Paul writes this and Holy Spirit leads him to do so. The word heir is the word kleranomai, and it means, literally, one who receives his allotted portion. So there is an allotted portion that an heir, one who receives his an allotted portion, that's what an heir is. The word redeem is the, um, is the word exagorazo, and it means to buy up for oneself for one's use. To buy up for oneself for one's use. Then the last word that I want to draw your attention to is the word sent. It is the word exapostello, and it means sent on a mission, like specifically sent on a mission. And so when we take all of that and put it together and what Paul is communicating to us and how this relates to our calling, here's what's going on in this passage of Scripture for all believers. Because he's linking everybody together, right? He says there's neither Jew nor Gentile. We're all the same. Like he's saying, man, we're all equal. We're all on equal footing. There's nobody special in the kingdom. We're all starting from the same place when we have Jesus. And this is what he's communicating to us. Jesus was sent on a mission to buy me up for himself to use. That, that was the mission of Jesus. He's saying, at just the right time, Jesus was sent on a mission to buy me up for himself to use. Okay? So, in order to use me, he, spent, he sent, that word again, he sent the Spirit on a mission to teach me that God is my father, and I am an heir that shares in my portion of the kingdom. Jesus was sent to buy me up for himself, and so since he bought me for himself, he sealed me for the, with the Holy Spirit, and he has sent the, mission, the Spirit on a mission to teach me that God is my father, and, and I am an heir to all that is his, and right now there is a portion of it that is mine. It has been a portion to me. So here's the deal. 
my portion, I love this, my portion of the kingdom is to walk in his favor. Like I walk in the favor of the Lord. I'm walking through life and my portion of the kingdom is I am a child of God. I walk in the favor of God. And so my portion of the kingdom is as I'm preaching and teaching the word of God, I can expect my portion to fall on me and anoint me for the preaching and teaching of the word of God. One of the most exhilarating experiences I've ever had in my life is preaching the gospel. And some of the times that have been the most powerful is preaching the gospel at funerals. And the Lord will come over me, and I've had experiences that have just totally blown my mind. Like they they felt like out-of-body experiences. What is going on there? It is me experiencing my, my portion of the kingdom here and now. Now, here's the deal. It took a lot of courage to get up and preach my first sermon. It was terrifying. I'd never done it before. I'd never spoken in front of a crowd before. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, man, I used to do public speaking in school. I never had spoken in front of a crowd before in my life when the first time that I got up to preach the first sermon I ever preached. But you know what I did? I got up and I let it out just like I'm letting it out today. I had no fear. If I'm going to stand up and do something for Jesus, I'm going to do it all for the glory of God. And as I do it, man, what happened is I experienced my portion of the kingdom in my earthly body. And I was like, oh my gosh, the Lord used me. I can't believe. How did I just do that? And I I was blown away by the whole experience. And I started recognizing, man, this is happening around me on all different levels. It's happening to me with relationships and people I'm encountering and, and people I'm having conversations with that I don't know and people that I'm having conversations that I do know, uh, that, that I would say things that, that were extremely wise and that I didn't even know. But the Lord, in a moment, as I was trying to minister something to someone, something would come out of my mouth, and I would be like, where did that come from? And as I drove away and reflected on it, I had to reconcile in my mind, it came from the Lord. I am an heir, and I've received my portion, and the Spirit is teaching me that I am God's child, and he will use me to say what he wants me to say in a moment that he wants something said. And that is the kingdom of God moving. That is the book of Acts, and that is what we're all supposed to be experiencing, is in all of these places, when we're parenting our kids, when we're trying to love our wives, when we're loving our husbands, when we're, when we're doing life with other people, as we can expect as heirs of God for the, the Lord to show us things in the midst of the experiences that we're facing. And that is the here and now portion. Now, here's the exciting part, is that we get to live that out, man, and, and we get to walk in that, and it's important that we are intentionally walking in that, and that's why we're committed to disciples because too long the church has let people be spectators and it's too hard to follow Jesus as a spectator why because you never do get to experience your portion of the kingdom and you're trying to rely on somebody else's portion of the kingdom so you come in and you listen to a guy preach a sermon you go man that guy gets me so fired up well what if the spirit got you fired up Because that's the way it's supposed to work. And that's what I'm trying to teach you is that as we intentionally walk out and follow the Lord, we will begin to see the Lord moves in our lives and we experience our portion here and now. But here's the beauty. is that in the future, I get it all. Like right now, I'm walking in it, and if I have an experience where I go, man, that, that was so cool, the Lord, like he moved so cool in that moment. I'm so encouraged by it. It is a portion of the kingdom. But when I cross over to the other side, I get it all. Listen to what Paul says. 
1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Okay? That's why I don't have to be afraid of death. That's why I said in my email, man, I wasn't afraid of getting sick before coronavirus, and I'm not afraid of getting sick after coronavirus. I wasn't afraid of dying before coronavirus, and I'm not afraid of dying after coronavirus. As a matter of fact, if I died this week, a lot of things in my life would get a much more simpler because I wouldn't have to worry about paying any of my bills. You, on the other hand, honey, would. Okay, so like it's, it's like, man, I don't, I don't fear death. It has no hold on me. It has no grip on me. I'm not worried about my departure because I know that as I cross over the other side, I will get my full portion of the kingdom as Jesus, I see him face to face. And so here's the big idea. When you are heaven directed, you will be heaven protected. You can walk through life, man. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what's going on. The Lord took Paul and sent him right in the midst of a bunch of sick people. A lot of people, they hit that island and be like, seeing these sick people, it's like, we need to build a raft, a raft and get out of here today. What did Paul do? He went straight up in there, got bit by a snake. Everybody thought he was evil. Then he didn't die, and they had favor with the Lord. And so what did he start doing? He ends up on the richest person on the island's house, and his father-in-law is sick. He heals him. That guy becomes a pastor, is a pastor of a church that started in Malta. And uh, all of the islanders on, that, that were sick started coming to Paul, and a revival broke out on that island. He wasn't afraid. He was timid. The Lord had favor on him and used him in the midst of of the situation. Now, here's the deal. Like, like we got to read this passage of Scripture. It's going to have some hard stuff in it, all right? It's Proverbs chapter 1. And the Lord is saying, it's, it's talking about wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the fear of God. In this context, the wisdom, like this is God speaking to us. And listen to what he says. Because you have a, you have a choice as to whether or not you listen to God and walk in his favor. He says, repent at my rebuke. Then... I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call to me and I will not answer. They will look for me but will not find me since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes." For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. I want to listen to God, man. Listen to what he says. That's, that's, bad. that's not good stuff right there. This is what he says. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. <laughs> Listening to the call is how you receive the keys to the kingdom. When God speaks, you are already listening. You're just waiting for him to show you what to do. Jesus said in John chapter 10, 
my sheep hear my voice and they listen. Like, what has the Lord been saying to you? And what are you doing about it? What is he saying to you right now in this moment? Because this is the key. Like, this is the key to walking in the favor of the Lord. It's like, man, like, like this now, stop with what I just finished with what I started with. He said, hey, would you do me a favor? Your Lord is like, yeah, bro, what do you need, man? You're tearing it up for my kingdom. <laughs> and then there are those who are asking the Lord, would you do this, Lord? If you'll do this, Lord, I will do that. He's like, well, who? the Lord is probably looking at us and going, who's God in this situation? Like the Lord, like he wants to bless us. But he cannot be the God that we learn about who's holy and right and true and just of the Bible. He cannot be that God and bless us in our rebellion. He just can't do it. If if he starts doing that, then what happens is is that he can't rain down that favor on us because it 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 would compromise his character. But like looking at us, man, like this is my child. And if my child, he says, why Jesus says, man, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these things shall be added to you. Not seek all these things and then seek heaven once a week and then ask God, why, Lord, are you letting this happen to me? It's because you're trying to use me as a slot machine, bro, and that's not what I am. This is not Vegas. He's saying, man, my kingdom only works one way. And it's the way that I've laid it out for you in the word. Get your head in the word. like Let your mind be soaked in the truth of the gospel and let it transform you. Quit waiting on your your political party to fix things. They're never going to fix it. Like It's never going to happen. The only thing that's going to fix it is the kingdom, like growing like a wildfire and making people treat people like they treat themselves because they've been transformed and understand how to walk in the favor of the Lord. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.